Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Sure, look at Ben, we took a little break last week, so we've no time for any banter today because we have lots to cover. For example, we have had the season finales of both The Rings of Power and The She-Hulk, Benjamin, both of which you absolutely loved. We've had a trailer for bloody Black Panther 2, Electric Black Panther Man, and pretty much seen who's going to be Black Panther, which is uh, a bit of a reveal, I suppose. You have shown me the trailer for your new favourite film, M. Tregan, which looks (laughs) intriguing. (laughs) Also... We have seen, Benjamin, betwixt the two of us, Werewolf by Night, Hocus Pocus 2, Hellraiser, and probably about 30% of the Midnight Club. Michael, if that wasn't enough, sure, listen. Yes, There's even more. We're gonna, it's, it's spooky season, Michael, and we're going to be taking a look at, you know, what's, what's gauche, Michael? What's not in right now? So gauche, Ben. Yeah, is it gore or is it gauche, Michael? That's, that's what? what I want to know. Oh, that's a good name, Ben. That's a better name than the thing you said earlier. Yes, it is. is gore, it gore or gauche. gauche? Benjamin. Yeah. Before we get into any levity, there's been some sad news this week. Yeah, there has been a little bit of sad news, Michael. Oh, the ra- oh your audio just completely changed there. That's a bit worrying. Benjamin. That is worrying. Why did my audio completely change? Oh, changed? it just got very loud. I'm going to have to turn down my uh, headphones or else it's going to be on my... It's going to be on my audio track. Mm-hmm. How exciting. There we go. I'll lower it again and try and... Oh, now it's too high and now I have to... Now I have to low- <laughs> this is a bloody A torture. glimpse behind the curtain, gang. A oh, glimpse very, behind the curtain. Very exciting stuff. Benjamin. Yeah. Enough of that messing because Robert Coltrane, Benjamin, has died this week at the age of 72. Yes, big old Hagrid, Michael. He took a look at Twitter and saw that J.K. Rowling was up to her old shit and he was like, ah, do you know what? I can't even stay on this planet anymore. I won't be associated with that name. And he shuffled off his mortal coil and that was it. Now, I'd probably, um, I'd proposition, Benjamin, that that isn't what has happened, in fact. Uh, no, it isn't at all. I, um, I don't know if he's even on Twitter, Benjamin. And if he were on Twitter, I don't know that he wouldn't necessarily support or unsupport. What's her name? J.K. Rowling. J. Very, really Royal Rowling. Benjamin. That's <laughs> a throwback yes. joke a couple of weeks ago. Benjamin. Yes. Your yes. generation, Benjamin, even though you're only six or seven years younger than me, definitely remember him as Hagrid. But to me, he will always be Cracker. I'm eight years younger than you, just so we're clear. Uh, I'll have less of that slandering of my age on the podcast. So, Why'd you call him Cracker, Michael? Because he was in the TV show Cracker, Benjamin. Oh, as a detective man. He was a detective man, Benjamin. And he was a big overweight fella and he was always drinking and smoking and doing jokes. Michael, there's there's a scene from Cracker that's seared into my mind. It's where a man was murdered at a urinal. Oh, go on. And uh, Cracker explains that he took the he took the urinal furthest from the door and they say, how could you possibly know that? And he gets the policeman to come in and says, take a piss. And the policeman goes, what? And he goes, take a piss, pick a urinal. And your man goes over to one of the urinals and the the female superintendent is like, oh my God, how did you know, Cracker? And he he asks the police to take it. He goes, just feels more comfortable, Chief. And that's that's all I remember from Cracker. And I distinctly remember going, if this is the kind of piss humour that I can expect from Cracker, it's a no from me. 
It's a real cracker of a scene, Benjamin. Benjamin! Oh, he, Christ. He played the character John Cracker, of course. That's what I'll always remember him <laughs> as. But he's also he was also a comedian and everything else, Benjamin. It, I'm, I'm sure he was very happy with his work as Hagrid, but he was. I always thought he was more than just Hagrid. I'm sure he was happy with the payment from Hagrid. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know if Hagrid paid him personally. Uh, no, he did. It was a whole thing. Oh, very the good thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, sir, John Coltrane is, is gone, I'm afraid. I, Robbie, I can't Robbie say I Coltrane. have... Um, John Coltrane was also gone, so that's yeah. not really an accurate <laughs> he was statement. Doing, he was in jazz, I believe. He was doing jazz. Uh, Robbie Coltrane wasn't doing jazz. Well, he might have, I don't know. Yep. Uh, but he, I always remember him from the terrible James Bond, Pierce Brosnan era. The best James Bond era, I think you've meant to say there. I don't, I don't think that's accurate, Michael. It I think definitely Timothy, is. Timothy Dalton in The Living Daylights... Uh, I think you'll find was Peak Bond or George Lazenby in Her Majesty's Secret Service, Michael. Two key texts in yeah. the James Bond canon. A very Australian man. Yes, a very Australian man. But uh, yeah, so so long, so long, Hagrid. Off we barely knew you. Been no great Harry Potter fan am I. But on the other hand, I I think I am kind of a fairly big J or a James really royal Tolkien fan, Benjamin. Well, that's another little throwback to a couple of weeks ago there. Uh, I've only got old jokes, Ben. And I tell you what, Ben, the old really royal fans are up in arms again. Ah, uh, the old rings of white power wrapped up this week, Michael. Very good, Benjamin. Oh, funnily enough, you probably couldn't call it that because it's very multicultural, Ben. It's very multicultural, Michael, but the fans could be called the uh, rings of <laughs> the, the rings of white power. Benjamin, I feel you might be spending a little bit too much time on the cesspools of Twitter and Reddit. Uh, Michael, I'm lambasted uh, by <laughs> sludge and You're, toxic Twitter. You seem to be marinating in it, Ben. You seem uh, to be yeah, marinating it because we've had two news items and you've brought it back to toxic Twitter both times. Oh, uh, Michael, wait, wait until you see the rest of this episode, Chief. Oh, no, oh, I don't want to gonna, talk, don't gonna talk about Black you. Panther next. Yeah, oh, Michael, Benjamin, wait until I get in. Yeah, go can on. I give you my take on the Rings of Power? Do you want to hear my personal take on the Rings of Power? Go on, go on. Benjamin, I've watched the whole thing. Against my best wish, my best uh, interest, I've watched the whole thing. And here's my take. Summarised. I'm going to summarise my take on it, Benjamin. Give me that hot take. Terrible, terrible Tolkien above-average fantasy TV show. That is a solid take. Thank you, Benjamin. It's a real middle-of-the-road take. I'm not sticking my neck out either way. A real middle-earth-of-the-road take. Very strong joke. Very Benjamin, good. it is, I think, a good show. Um, slow in places, for sure, and a bit nonsensical. Really slow in places and then madly fast in other places. Yes. Which seems to be the curse of poor writing these days on TV. It seems to be one of the it seems to be one of the ways you can determine that writers don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they it does seem to be a little bit of a an end, a, a, an epidemic in TV writing, but I think it's just a new wave of writers coming in and having to cut their teeth. Back in the day, Michael, you used to come onto a TV show, but you'd start you'd start in the in the basement, so to speak. Right, go on. Go on. On your, you know, your murder she wrote on your... Oh, Angela Lansbury oh, Angela died Lansbury as well. Died. <laughs> <laughs> that was completely apropos of nothing. Um, but uh, murder she wrote or you'd you'd get on a, a bloody Columbo or something like that. You know, a serialised TV show that had been running forever. The thing is, though, Benjamin, and I'm going to cut across your whole point here. Is Go ahead. Both of those shows you've pointed out there are well-remembered and fondly remembered. The the thing we have to remember is most TV is shit. Yeah, that's true. 
like 99% of TV is probably shit and instantly forgotten once the episode is aired. That's true. That's it's, that's fairly solid. But yeah, you're right. Um, Amazon does seem to be like putting people and um, and Marvel MCU and all of the streaming services seem to be putting people in charge of shows with one or two things on their IMDb um, page. It would be honestly yeah. like, Benjamin, if they had let us make that Moon Knight show we wanted to make a few years ago. Well, Michael, essentially they did that strategy, but with someone who is arguably a little bit more qualified than us. Not by much. Only they a gave it bit. to they, they gave it to a man who basically uh, did music videos for MTV and then also wrote them a 500-page treatise on uh, a 500-page, which is very similar to a 500-page treatise, yeah, it's but it's, uh, it's slightly off eggshell white. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's essentially what they did, Michael. They would have done a better job giving it to us, maybe. Yeah. So Rings of Power, Ben. Uh, yeah. Absolute rank amateur writing. But rank. Rank amateur writing, Benjamin. It's like nothing happens for six episodes, then the world changes in 20 minutes. It's incredible, incredible scenes, Ben. You cannot reconcile, I feel, being a Tolkien fan and enjoying this. Um, it's just not possible. It's it's the equivalent to Tolkien fans what superhero movies were in the 90s when they would just go, oh, we like that name. And we like that general thing, but we're going to change everything else because we know better. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty solid. So it's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long it took him. It doesn't matter that it took Celebrimbor 300 years to forge the rings. And he realized that what was going on at the last minute and made a desperate attempt. Now, let's just let's get that out of the way in 20 minutes, which may have been over the course of an afternoon in the show or a couple of months. It's next to impossible to tell. We'll have but, to wait and see, Michael. But it's still an all right fantasy show. It's an above average fantasy show. It's I still look forward to seeing it every week. Did you? And, and enjoyed it while it was on. Did you? And then went, oh, that's going to annoy people. Yeah, all right, that's fair. I, yeah, think, yeah, I, yeah. Think that's, I think that's most TV today, Michael. It's designed to either prick or, you know, pander. It, Prick or Pander, the Ben Colby podcast. Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's definitely gonna get a it's definitely gonna get a season two because they've they've overcommitted, Ben. There's nothing they can do about it. They have they've, to do they've a overcommitted. Two. Um, ju- go on. Go ahead. No, go on. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about about it was uh, I just wish that they hadn't gone to the early two thousand school of T V writing where everything's a mystery. Everything's a mystery. It's lost, but in Middle Earth. Exactly. Lost has a lot to answer for, Ben. Uh, lost can get lost, Michael. Very good. Um, like, they went out of their way to try and hide who Sauron was. Who was he in the end, actually? Do you want a big spoiler? Ah, go on, Michael. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, you're not going to watch it anyway, Ben. It was Hellbrand. It was the guy who it obviously was. Because they called him Hellbrand. Is this Hellbrand? Uh, well, okay, but branded by hell by any other name. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also because he kept he kept doing really Sauron-y things and going, oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. that's a, that's kind of a Sauron-y thing to do that I've just done there, isn't it? Winky wink, wink wink. Audience, yeah, yeah. there you go, there you go, audience. And Ben, they've introduced the other guy who's probably Gandalf, but they're not going to say it. Ah, uh, it's, it's probably Gandalf though, Michael. It's probably, I, had that, I had that spoiled for me on on TikTok. Ah, uh, you're always on TikTok, Ben. It's one of your yeah. favorite cesspools. I love it. It's a very good cesspool. My TikTok is actually the nicest place I spend time on the internet. Oh, very good. Maybe you need to branch out a bit more. 
Yeah, maybe I should just stop going on the internet, Michael, and go stop touch some grass. going on the internet and touch some grass, Benjamin. Mm. As they say on the internet, funnily enough. Benjamin. Yes. Have you seen the trailer for uh, what it's coming out soon? Yeah, Wakanda Forever <laughs> is what it's called. <laughs> Michael, we finally got a trailer for Wakanda Forever, um, the Black Panther sequel. It looks pretty good. Uh, it does actually, yeah. It, it, does. it actually looks quite good. I'm looking forward to seeing Namor. Bloody Angela Bassett is back. She looks great. Her and Namor have a bit of tension. It's going to be a little scrap, I think. He's got good. his little flappy wing legs, got which you said, Benjamin. You said, I'm not going to watch this if he doesn't have his little flappy wing legs. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I will be watching it because what was it? Those little feathered footsies of his made an appearance and I Benjamin. was down. I like how he I like how he flies by kind of jumping, kind of. Yeah, it's like the Super Mario thing where you like jump from one thing to the next. Yeah, he can like do a triple jump, basically. Yeah, it's good. I like it. it. It's cool. Benjamin. Yeah. Of course, the big reveal for your part of the internet, the, the part where you're hanging out way too much. The is cesspool. That, the cesspool, yeah. It looks like young Shuri is going to be Black Panther. Well, Michael, one of my favourite things about this... Is if you complain about the casting of Black Panther, you are actually just a racist. Yeah, you might be a racist. Because <laughs> um, the whole point is is that. But um, I tell you what is annoying people about Letitia Wright uh, is the fact that she is a vehement anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I don't know if she's a vehement anti-vaxxer, Ben. Is she? Uh, she is, yeah. So Has in, she doubled down on it? Oh, she's doubled down on it, Michael. It's great. Um so the the controversy on that started in 2020, Michael, when Letitia Wright issued a a Twitter video and she she retweeted a video or posted a video on her Twitter of anti-vax uh, sentiment, and that led to first of all a, a big old bristling within the MCU casting universe, uh, mm. most not most notably from Don Cheadle, who called her video hot garbage. Oh yeah, uh, she then took that down, issued a kind of half hearted apology which was uh, I, I, I never intended to hurt anybody oh yeah classic yeah, non-apology it's a classic classic non-apology uh, and that that was kind of all we heard about that Michael um, we were all still reeling from the Chadwick Boseman news um, and then Michael in 2021 it surfaced again where she made another statement about it uh, and then apparently spent a lot of her time on set espousing anti-vaccine ideals Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So the other thing that's quite interesting there, Michael, is that apparently Letitia Wright had an injury in uh, 2021, but it also transpired that she was dropped by her representation in the US. Oh, interesting. uh, For her anti-vax stance and refusal to back down. It is then, now this is complete rumour, but it's supposed that she perhaps contracted COVID. Right. And then was out of action for a couple of months as oh, a result her, of... That was her injury. You did yeah, a big wink. that was her injury. Wink, wink, wink. Um, and I think mostly what the internet seems to be annoyed over now, uh, both both sides of this issue, both the racists and the inclusives, is why why are we letting this woman keep her job when you got rid of uh, Gina Garano after... seconds for a similar Mm. thing. It's very interesting. And um, people are not really sure if Letitia Wright deserves such a role. They're Um, not sure she's the right choice, Ben. (laughs) Very good, Michael. Um, Is the right choice the right choice, as the Ah, gang would say? Very good. 
But, Michael, what I thought, and this is a completely personal question, is imagine if Chadwick Boseman had been alive on set uh, with his bloody, with his uh, cancer and she had been an anti-vaxxer. That would have been awful. Great stuff, Ben. Imagine if Chadwick Boseman had been an anti-vaxxer. Imagine if that, that would have uh, that would have brought up a lot of questions because I quite like the, I quite like the I do not like Letitia Wright Benjamin. Now the the media may have smeared her, so I don't know. I don't. I've never met her. I've never met the woman Benjamin. I've never had a conversation with her. But I get a feeling I don't like her. But I do like Shuri. Yeah, well, that's that's acting, you see. That's acting, you see. And I'm more than happy for her to be Shuri because I don't give a shite if she's an anti-vaxxer or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's 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 fair enough, Michael. I I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah, as long as she does a good bit of acting, I don't really give a shit what a her personal... A good bit of acting, Michael. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. they had so many limited choices, Michael, and who could take over. Yeah, yeah, People were hoping for Winston Duke, but they're misogynists now, Ben. Anyone who disagrees with you in any way is some sort of ist. I really can't get into this, Benjamin. Come on, we have to get moving. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, so that was that, and uh, yeah, we are actually fairly eating up the old timestamps there. Uh, Michael, speaking of everyone's a misogynist who doesn't agree with us, <laughs> um, did you see the She-Hulk finale? Benjamin, absolutely wild stuff. Um, Incredible fan fiction stuff. Ah, uh, look, I I had to take a I had to take a good long hard look at myself after the She-Hulk finale, Michael. Oh yeah. Um, and I said to myself, maybe I am the problem. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm a misogynist. Maybe I don't get this. Um, maybe maybe I am just bristling. My fragile white male ego is thing, and that's all of that is true. That definitely happens to me on occasion, Michael. I'll watch a trailer and I'll be like, oh, 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 and then I'll be like, oh, for me. it's just yeah, and then I'll be like, oh, I'm just being a I'm just being a, a prick who's had it too good for too long. It's white privilege, I think they call it, Michael. Do they? And um, then I then I took a look at the episode again and I rewatched it, and it's the first time I've rewatched something in years, and I came to the conclusion it just wasn't very good, Michael. <laughs> Terrible stuff. It um, just wasn't very good, and I thought incredible. it was me. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a point where you can write something shite, and then say you can put a lampshade on it of isn't this shite? Yeah, but you've written it. Yeah, see, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, were you trying to be clever when you wrote, like, the standard? Also, how insulted would you be if you were every other Marvel writer or director? I I don't know how that... I know for a fact, Benjamin, that Kevin Feige refused to voice Kevin. I would say he did. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, that's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. They also, like... uh, it just wasn't great, Michael. But number one, because and we've complained about this a few times for the for the new Beta Marvel. Inconsistent. The meta references we had in She Hulk up until that point never affected the plot directly. Right, go um, on. As in, they never allowed her to move outside the plot the way that it did in the comics. So it was well established in the comics that when She Hulk needed a convenient thing, she could step between panels or you know do a quick costume change thanks to the magic of you know John Byrne's metaness. But in this, it was only ever a quick address to the camera. Mm. It was never necessarily something that could influence the story. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm aware that I'm in a, a, a TV show. A TV show. And it, like, On a streaming series. Uh, I don't know. But it just, it was very tonally all over the place. And I thought the, the Kevin bit wasn't funny. No, the, I mean, there are a couple of good gags, let's be honest. Yeah. There, I, I enjoyed... I, I kind of laughed at it and was annoyed at the same time. 
I was watching it going, this is mad, Ben. This is absolute bonkers. Obviously, the big comparison for anyone who's seen it, and if you haven't, we've well and truly spoiled it by this stage, but the big obvious comparison is um, Blazing Saddles. It it does have a huge Blazing Saddles vibe to it. She does a Blazing Saddles. And Blazing Saddles, when Blazing Saddles did it, was a huge risk in cinema. Yeah, massive. To just go, we're not going to do an ending. We're just going to... We're just going to do something mad. But, I mean, Monty Python used to do that as well. I think the... It doesn't the search for the Holy Grail not yeah, end Yeah, it ends in the exact same way. And so does uh, The Life of Brian to a large degree. There's a whole in, middle section to The Life of Brian that's bizarre. But, again, it's about consistency. Um, you know, that that was, that was always something that Monty Python and, you know, the likes of Blazing Saddles did. It was that type of weird, irreverent... Comedy, and I'm not sure She-Hulk was that up until the finale. <laughs> Very I, strange. I would, I would like to point out, like, I actually really enjoyed Tatiana Maslany. Um, yeah, she's very good. I thought she was very funny. I thought it was really well acted. I, I thought her conversation, but I thought it was so ham-fisted in the way it's like, this isn't my story, Kevin. Mm. This is my story. And I was like, this is a bit like a woman's razor ad from the <laughs> mid-2000s. <laughs> Um, I mean, what I thought was dreadful, Benjamin, was that when she fixed the story, it was no better. It was actually dumber. It was arguably worse because we didn't get to see anything pan out. Yeah, yeah. So why was that Todd guy arrested? Like, why? What? Um, Why was Hulk there? Why why did they undercut Abomination's redemption story? Why did they just take the rug out from underneath the Mio Blonsky? Yeah. Why Why did did they they do do that? that? Why um, Why was Titania there? I, uh, no, I think all that... No, okay, so I understand all that because they were setting it up for the joke of this is all wrong. Yeah, so they yeah. were they were parodying the traditional Marvel ending where it goes from... Like, WandaVision is a perfect example. The end fight in WandaVision is an insult to everything the show did before it, where it suddenly became, I'm the Scarlet Witch, I'm Agatha Harkness, big purple laser show, big red laser show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a, oh, cool. So we just had this really subtle, different drama for eight episodes. Nah, we had that for like four episodes. Then it got very MCU-y. All right, that's fair enough. But I think, so that's all set up to parody, but it's specifically so She-Hulk can step back and say, this is ridiculous. Why not just change the story and give us something better? Because, Michael, we took a little we took a little break there just before. And the penultimate episode was actually one of my favourite episodes probably in terms of one. raising the stakes. Yeah, one of the best ones, probably. And I think that's what disappointed me so much. I think the revenge porn angle in the penultimate episode of She-Hulk is a fascinating angle to take. And for the first time, it wasn't uh, a cranked up to a level... Uh, uh, sorry, cranked up to 11, you know, caricature of masculinity. It wasn't a straw man. Revenge porn is a real issue that, you know, that targets women a lot more than it targets men. It's a very insidious thing. It is a perfect kind of problem that Jennifer Walters can't just punch away. You know what I Mm. mean? And it's a real issue. And there was a lot of room to deal with the fallout of that correctly. And then it just did this bizarre thing. Yeah, very strange. Where Jen, for some reason, is arrested, um, which doesn't make any sense. No, that because... does make sense. She wrecked the place. Yeah, uh, all right. That did make sense. That bit made sense. Just yeah, all right. you... Look, Ben, here's the thing, right? 
these shows have grown on the they nerds made these shows big. They're yeah. big mainstream now. Yeah. But nerds made them big. And nerds are a certain type of people. Yes. Um I mean like classic old school nerds. Classic old school RuneScape nerds, Ben. Are you no, not a me, Benjo. I'm far too sexy. I mean, like That's classic true. ones. It classic is true. You ones, do ben. ooze charisma. It's so many charismas, Ben. I've got them coming out of my nips. Ben, what Jesus. I mean is, nerds like nerds like continuity. We and do. This is this is the big thing about both She-Hulk and Rings of Power, where. The old nerds are getting absolutely hammered in the neck. Oh, you're misogynists. Oh, you're racists. Oh, you're, you just don't like progress. You just don't like modernity. You're all of these things. But nerds are nerds. Tolkien fans are Tolkien fans because Tolkien took his own continuity seriously. Yeah. And they love that. Yes. And they love going Feynor crafted the three Silmarils in the year, blah, boop, boop, and going, and then what happened with the other... And then these shows come along and go, now nah, we're going to do it better. Wait and you see, we're going to do it better. I wrote two episodes of Murder, She Wrote, you know. So, <laughs> wait and you see, wait and you see what I do. And I I think, you know, oh, I don't know. I just found it really frustrating as an episode. I think one of the things that was so bizarre to me was the, the reintroduction of Hulk. Yeah, he's and, back. <laughs> and Scar. Like, I was just like, why did you do that? Like, there's no need. Um, Daredevil came back. That was fun. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like he Charlie just dropped Cox. out of thin air. That was good. Uh, I can't remember who. <laughs> I can't remember who said it to me. Um, but somebody said Charlie Cox could slap me across the face, and I'd say thank you. Um, Charlie <laughs> yeah. Cox is in the Irish show Kin. He is. He's and in Kin with fil- fucking Aiden Gillen. Yeah, well, Littlefinger himself. Ben Kin is filming at the Furry Bog where my parents live. Yeah, and you know what the best part about Kin is? Go on. Charlie Cox does a fantastic Irish accent. One of the best screen Irish accents we've ever seen. One of the best I've ever seen, Michael. Charlie Cox, the Irishman's wet dream. Just he's untouchable, Ben. The only thing that's the only thing that's not going well for him is his hairline. Yeah, but that's all right, Michael. We all have hairline issues, you know. It's, I don't, Benjamin. Just shout it all off. It's true. You do actually have a phenomenally solid hairline. Look at that, Ben. Look at that. It's it's look at it. It's like a Lego it man. Is, a 180 line, ladies and gentlemen. It's just, it's just perfect. Benjamin, speaking of Insidious three minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the new Halloween film from bloody James Wan? Uh, James Wan. Megan. Me Tregan, uh, Ben, I think it's Ma- called. Ma- Michael, uh, I would see the new Halloween film from James Wan if it was released anywhere near Halloween. Um, no, it's next year. It's in the January, January death zone. 13th. Yeah. Where um, films go to die, Ben. Michael, I have never been more uncomfortable watching a horror trailer. It was ooey. ooey it's gross, gooey. isn't it? There's a little doll lady and she's coming to get you. But it's obviously, it's clearly a real woman who's been CGI'd over. So they're just enhancing, or they're just embracing that uncanny valley thing and using that to freak the living fuck out of people. I think that's a very good point. They are just embracing the uncanny valley. Yeah. They, they should they li- Go on. Yeah. No. You, <laughs> There's, you go on. There was literally a conversation in that room where it's like, no, it's too good. Take it back a notch. Yeah, take, make, take, make it creepier. Make it creepier, please. Make her do a flip. So uh, the it's it's an AI. Uh, it's it's Chucky for the 21st century, I guess, Michael. It's, you know, it's an AI assisted. It's an AI robot that looks after kids. 
basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've seen that before, and we've seen them go wrong before. Yeah, look, technology always goes wrong in the movies, Michael. Um, yeah, I mean, the difference, I think, between this and Chucky is that Chucky is specifically a malignant entity. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But it, it would seem that at some point, well, it's only a trailer, but it seems like at some point Megan becomes a malignant entity as well. Uh, but one of the things that we always say here on the podcast, Michael, is give an AI uh, a lesson and it'll it'll fish for a day. Give an AI a boat and it'll murder everybody as soon as it can. That's um, one of the things we always say. That's one of the things we always say on this podcast, Michael. And it's just that classic trope of, oh, don't, don't give it sentience. Oh, you've told it to protect the child at all costs, at all costs, meaning including killing you? I, I want to know who this anti-AI lobby is, Michael. I, I would love to put a put a face to the name. <laughs> I think it's Letitia Wright, Ben. I think I she's think one of them. I think it's Letitia Wright. She's in there. <laughs> um, she's in there picketing the Disney lot when they make those weird acrobat robots that they're so fond of making at Disneyland. J.K. Um, Rowling is there saying, but are AIs real women? <laughs> Nobody, nobody said. N- nobody's arguing that point, J.K. What are you? What are you talking about? Well, she's like, well, I am. Well, I a, am from a cafe in Scotland with no electricity. With no electricity, come here to me. Um, I was genuinely unnerved. I also think it's an unnerving parody of young people. the The AI does a lot of weird TikTok dances. Yeah, okay. nothing more like terrifying. Nothing more terrifying, Benjamin. Uh, speaking as an elder millennial, nothing more terrifying to millennials than Gen Zers. But I wonder, is James Wan somehow crossing the bridge from, I get it, uh, I don't really understand the youth anymore. And it's yeah, like, yeah. that is quite alarming. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like yeah. Uh, it's like reading a Stephen King novel and, and the baddie being cell phones. Like, oh, exactly. Stephen. Like, oh, Stephen. No. Oh, Stephen. Come he on. wrote, he wrote, I, 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 I harked my mind back, Michael. I remember a couple of weeks ago when we looked at Mr. Hartigan's phone. That, yes. That's out, by the way. I haven't watched it. But, no, uh, it's apparently out. it's dreadful. But I, I remember that uh, tinkling a bell in the back of my brain. And I was like, Stephen King has an issue with cell phones. And he does. He wrote another film with uh, John Cusack. And oh, yeah. The, the stand? Lawrence Fishburne, I think. No, no. It, it's, it's called... Cell? Cell, it's called Cell, yeah. It's called cell, cell and cell phones are killing people. Cell phones are the baddies, yeah. <laughs> so this is James Wan's that. This is James Wan's Cell. He had one bad experience with Alexa and he was like, no. No, that's it. She's going to flip out and kill me. Benjamin, it reminded me very much of Malignant, the film Malignant. Yeah, I can't remember that one. Did you that was the one Malignant? where the baddie was on the back of the lady's head the whole time. Oh, yeah, but that was creepy because it was uh, weird. And then he came out and flipped around the police station doing high kicks on everyone. Yeah, that was mad. And it's something that I, it's something that I think doesn't really work in horror anymore, Benjamin, which we might come back to later. Which we might but, come back to later, Michael. You're jumping the running order there, son. L- I'm saying a lot, of, a lot of modern horror ends up coming down to kung fu. Michael, we've been very blasé. Go on. Uh, so far. But speaking of horror classics uh, that stand the test of time, Michael... Bloody hell, did you see Werewolf by Night? Benjamin, this was the best thing that Marvel have produced since, I don't know what the last thing I liked was, Spider-Man No Way Home, I think? Yeah, probably. Like, yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home was good, but this was great. This is good. I think this might have even been better than Spider-Man No Way Home. 55 minutes of joy. Spider-Man No Way Home relied a lot on nostalgia and clickbait, Benjamin, the clickbait yeah. of the cinema. Yeah. But this was just great. It was weird. It was original. It was oddly acted in places. And I fucking loved it. 
Loved every second of it, Ben. Benjamin, who is Werewolf by Night and what's he up to? Uh, Werewolf by Night is an old Marvel comic, Michael. It was actually where our, our good pal and the originator of this podcast, Moon Knight, made his first appearance. Oh, um, Yeah, so Werewolf by Night was... Uh, so we all know that comics back in the day didn't just carry the label DC and Marvel on them. They used to have additional things. So they, they would have like different horror titles and different sci-fi titles and, and things like that. So Werewolf by Night was kind of like a little horror anthology that used to come out. Okay. Um, but it's been applied to two different characters over the over the years. The original Werewolf by Night uh, was a werewolf by the name of Jack Russell. Oh, that's a bit on the nose. Uh, it was very on the nose, Michael. And yeah, he was he wasn't so he wasn't so fancy. But the other one was Jake Gomez. Um, okay, go on. And that's the one that we got to see. He's very, very recent, Michael. He's in Werewolf by Night number one from October twenty twenty. But the original one, um Jack Russell. Oh, okay, sorry, I've made a mistake there, Michael. Um okay, classic Ben. The classic Ben. Jack Russell is actually the the character in Werewolf by Night that we watched. Um, and he's played by Gail Garcia Bernal. Oh yeah, very good. Who's the classic iteration of the character? And yeah, that started Michael all the way back in 1953. Oh, the Hammer Horror Spooky era. Yeah, the Hammer Horror Spooky era. So that's exactly why we got a, a Wolfman, and he is a very traditional Wolfman. I don't say werewolf because he's not really a werewolf in the way that we would sense. He's a big shaggly man. He's a big shaggly man, like a like your 1950s Wolfman. Yeah, exactly. He's he's literally Lon Chaney. You know. He's not literally Lon Chaney. He's, Lon he's literally Lon Chaney. American literally, not... Oh, figuratively. Okay. Yeah. Benjamin, yeah. I loved him. I thought he was great. I thought... Just without getting too much into the misogyny, Ben, he's my favourite new male character that Marvel have done in the last five years. He's one of the best male characters that we've seen in the, in the last five... Also, hang on though, Elsa Bloodstone... Give me more of that. Well, I wasn't. Go- I was going to talk about Elsa Bloodstone next, but first of all, okay, let's talk about Elsa Bloodstone then. First of all, it's grand to see an old Irish woman sus boss. Bloody Laura Donnelly, Irish representation. How are you uh, doing? Good, good on you there, Laura. Irish people sus boss. L- Laura's Northern Irish, isn't she? She's from she Northern is. Ireland. Benjamin, my favourite thing about casting Laura Donnelly as Elsa Bloodstone is they have cast a kung fu action lady. Yes. As like a, perhaps not going to be like the main character driving forward their whole cinematic universe, no. but potentially the start of a bit of a franchise. I'd 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 watch a Marvel Underground Monster Hunter. Benjamin, so would I. I'd watch anything. We've got Werewolf by Night. You've got Man Thing. You've got Elsa Bloodstone. You've maybe got Blade and Black Knight. That I mean, I'd watch that. Blade is now actually on hold. Michael. On hold. Yeah, apparently that's issue. gone all wonky. Um, but they need a new director. Yeah, it's gone all wonky, Ben. Look, Marvel are Marvel are the new DC, Ben. I think that's the only way we can put it. They've I don't. Lost, it. That's broad. <laughs> they've lost the run of themselves, Ben. Benjamin. Yeah. I love the fact that they have cast a forty-year-old woman as a sexy action lead. Yeah, I think it's a solid I call. Absolutely love it. If this was even ten years ago with Marvel, she would have been twenty-three. Yeah, there wouldn't have been a hope. Not a hope of them casting a forty-year-old in the start of the first episode as a sexy action franchise lead. Yeah, no, it never would have happened. Uh, so, that definitely wasn't a first episode, though. I don't know what we're going to get out of this. But... Well, I mean, I mean, there's not necessarily the first episode like in a TV sense, but the start of a... A debut. A, yeah, a debut. Yeah, to, to be a 40-year-old woman having a debut <laughs> as 
the sexy action character. Incredible. Yes, as a debutante, so to speak. Benjamin, as someone who is very nearly 40, I find it very important that it, from a representation point of view that 40 year olds can be sexy on TV. Well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's very important for you. I do, Benjamin. I find that very important. <laughs> Michael, I think everything in this, it's from important. the set, from the music, from the over-the-top melodrama, just enjoyable. One of the best comic book adaptations I've ever seen in terms of a comic booky tone. It was just great. Gal Garcia, was great. I have the the softest spot in my heart for Man Thing now. Yeah. Um, I thought the bloody special effects for Man Thing's melting power was unreal. I was Very like, exciting. yes, that's great. Mm. Um, I thought all the nods to old horror movies with the mounted heads on the walls was great. Very good. It was just very good, Michael. It was just... And then, for a change, one of the things that I really, really enjoyed, Michael, was how gory and powerful the the Wolfman was. Well, that's because it was black and white, Ben, so they could. Yeah, he was just fucking people up. Oh, yeah, he's no messing. No, not a drop. He's not going to beat Hulk, Ben. He's not going to beat a Hulk, but that's not the point, Michael. That's not the point. He's not a superhero. He's a werewolf by night. He's a werewolf by night, Michael. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I just thought it was a good old time. Benjamin, uh, yes. I, have one, I have one single and one single complaint alone in the whole thing. More man thing? No. Oh. They've bloody erased another ginger. Comic Elsa Bloodstone, Ben, as you know, is a redhead. Ah, Michael, they've whitewashed your people again. They've brownwashed my ginger people again, Benjamin. Ah, one day, Michael, you'll lead them through the desert to a proud new land that you can call your own. It won't be in the desert, Ben. It'll be somewhere much shadier. Yeah, that's... (laughs) We won't won't last very long in the desert. Won't be the fucking baskets, I tell you that much. Unless you mean the frozen deserts of the Arctic North, Benjamin. Yes, the frozen tundra. If it was the CW, Benjamin, they would have cast Madeline Petsch. Madeline who sorry Madeline Petsch you'd know her Benjamin from being Cherry Blossom in Archie she has red hair she has red hair Ben and she's about 25 it would have been an inevitable bit of casting if it was uh, DC okay okay anyway yeah well DC kind of goes for the obvious choices doesn't it let's ah yeah that probably would have been her there yeah 100% yeah yeah 100% Yeah. So look, I'm fully in support of uh, Laura Donnelly because it's a, it's a sexy forty year old, which I'm so in support of Benjamin. I have a whole support club for sexy forty year olds. Anyone who yes. is sexy and forty, just send me an email. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna get you into trouble. Um, so uh, <laughs> not women only, Ben. Anyone, anyone who is sexy and forty, we're starting I don't a club. Know why you think that makes it better? Um, we're starting a club, Benjamin. It's called Sexy at Forty. Um, I think that club already exists. It's just called Life. Um, anyway, uh, Michael. Yes, what come is here it? to me. Moving on from things that are a little past their sell by date um, <laughs> to things that are definitely Fuck past you. their sell by date. Hocus Pocus two. Oh, oh, Ben. Speaking of poor old Sarah Jessica Parker, just spent a whole film trying to act like she was twenty seven at fifty seven. Uh, Michael, very interesting choice from, from the lads. <laughs> the energy that that must have taken poor Sarah Jessica Parker, Ben, that's a 57-year-old woman. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, she she pulled it off. Oh, she gave it socks. <laughs> she gave <laughs> it, it. She, she, she tried damn hard. But All three yeah. of them did. Benjamin, they I gave it a real go. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it's all right, isn't it? It's grand. It's It's nowhere near the original. But it was never going to be, and I think that's important. 
I, I think the best way to see it is not as a true sequel, but as a homage. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I think it, it's it's hard to, to pinpoint exactly what made the original Hocus Pocus so good. Uh, I think it's the underlying creepy danger that the Sanford sisters kind of represent. They are... San- Sanderson? Es- Sanderson, sorry. The Sanford Sanderson sisters represent. They are essentially out to kill kids so oh, they yeah, can be kill the kids immortal. Look at them. You know, like it's a, it's a real classic, like the witch is going to get you mm. vibe. And there's a lot of heart to it as well. Poor El Binks, you know. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of heart to it. And I, I think that's really interesting. Um, from that perspective and I don't think the sequel has it in as much I think they were like oh do you remember this from when you were a kid remember this remember from when you were a kid remember this? remember this and you're just like yeah I do I don't think it's as good now that I'm an adult but okay thank you yeah 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 the other issue obviously is that the Sanderson sisters themselves have become cult icons and so it's hard to have them be flat out baddies yeah, exactly. There, it's it's that awful thing. It, it's the inverse of the Christopher Nolan Batman thing. You either <laughs> die the villain or live long enough to see yourself become the hero. That and, is you know. entirely true. Yeah, I, I think that's more true than what Christopher Nolan's Batman said. I, I think it might arguably be. Yeah, I I would agree with that. But it's, I don't know. I didn't mind it. I didn't see. I I didn't finish it. Now I'm. I unfortunately I started watching it and I. <laughs> I, I just got confused, Michael. Um, uh, okay. But again, I think it dropped too early. Go on. Um, I I think we've we've had it now for a week and a two half, weeks, three weeks, yeah, into Halloween, and you're just like, why? Why did you drop it then? You you'd surely get a massive surge of like Halloween pump if you if you dropped it soon. Maybe I don't know. I think they're probably yeah. I think they're probably betting on that's going to happen anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand the cinema anymore, Michael. Yeah, it's not even in the cinema bin. It's on the Netflix. You see, this is the other thing that is interesting. Do you, like would it ever have gotten? I feel like that's one opportunity where they could have put asses in seats. Mm. I feel like if you had spent the money, put the marketing in, this is a beloved thing that probably would have gotten asses in seats. Would it, Ben? What, it's I beloved. Don't. It's beloved among elder millennials. Yeah, all right, and that's fair. Elder, elder millennials, Ben, are aging out of going to the cinema. We are. It's too late, Michael. They put things You're on too late. You're not an elder millennial, Ben. You're a smack dab in the I middle need, millennial. I need to have my dinner before you need it gets to have dark. your dinner. Yeah, and your your Prozans, and you need to take your hemorrhoid cream. And, and my back sign starts in. to ache after nine, Michael. It's ridiculous. And you need to sign into www.sexyat40.com. Yeah, and then I have a little Don't. chat. That's not me, if anyone does sign into <laughs> Don't that's, sign up for anything. Not a real, that's not a real thing. Uh, Benjamin. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like... We have to get moving here. We're taking, we've are taking. we got so much to cover, Benjamin. We've I got so Hellraiser. much to cover. Oh, I saw Hellraiser, tell, Benjamin. Tell, tell me about that creepy thing. Speaking of long overdue sequels, Benjamin, I saw Hellraiser. It's not a sequel, it's a reboot. A reboot, you say? It's a reboot, Benjamin. And it's fine. It's a it's a decent horror film. It's a very modern horror film about a young girl and she's got drug problems and she finds uh, the box, the evil box. Not the drugs, Michael. Yeah, the drugs, Benjamin. She found a box and she found an evil box and her boyfriend um, helps her steal the evil box. But guess who was behind it the whole time? I tell you what, it was him. Oh, it's funny. It was the boyfriend. Get yeah, yeah, and the, and the Cenobites, Benjamin. The Cenobites are cool. They were working and, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, pretty much. 
Because, okay. uh, you know, he, he was using her, Ben. Look. Like a drug. It, no, it's it's a very, very different film from the original. Go on. It's a much more modern horror film than the original. There's a final girl. There's a diverse cast of supporting characters. Um, and they get picked off one by one. And it's up to you to decide if they deserved it or not. Most of them didn't. Um, okay, I can't believe there's it, a final girl in a... In a Hellraiser interesting. film. Hell, Hellraiser is quite... It, it, I think it started off as a final girl film, but it, it very much came into the territory of everybody's going to die. No, this is very much a final girl film. It's not a bad final girl film. Okay. It's a pretty good final girl film, and they go for it a bit with the Cenobites. There's some pretty gruesome kills in it. Oh, good. And there's some pretty gruesome kills on people who haven't really done anything wrong, which is always, in my opinion, better. Yeah, it is. Because it's more horrifying than... Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look at this guy. He punched those dogs. And now let's get him. You go, yeah, get him. Get um, him, yeah. It's all right. It's 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 pretty good. But it, it's not as mean and as creepy as the original. Uh, the, the original is very mean and creepy. Is Clive Barker still alive? I think he is, yeah. Clive Barker is still alive and still very, very strange. And mean and creepy. Yeah, yeah. Let's just put it this way, Benjamin. Clive Barker was probably surprised when they published Hellraiser as a horror. I I think his publisher found his diary and went, oh, I like your new book. And Clive Barker was like, yes, my book. Yeah, it's a good book. And he said, yeah, we'd like to publish it. We're just going to tone it down a little bit. Um, Yes, my book. Not my personal fantasy bank, but uh, yes. Oh, yeah, he's still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look yeah. up his life story, Ben. It's utterly terrifying. I wasn't planning on it, but... Um, it, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty goddamn spooky. Anyway, Hellraiser, it's fine. I, I kind of enjoyed it, I suppose. It was... it the, the special effects are good. The Cenobites are cool looking. I didn't realise that the that the lead Cenobite pinhead was played by uh, a trans woman. Oh, get out of town! Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, Ben, in the original book, the, the character is, def- as, is described as having a feminine voice and... The, the pinhead design really works. It's really cool. Um, the other Cenobites are cool. But the overall, pl- the overall plot is a little bit Final Girly. It could have been an episode of Buffy, really. Okay. Oh, a, a nice little episode of Buffy. Yeah, it could have been an episode of Buffy, basically. Like, okay. You can even avoid being killed by the box, Ben, if it doesn't stab you. In the original, in the original when you solve the box, that's it, you're fucked. Oh, Okay. But in this, when you solve it, a little blade sticks out and stabs you. And that has to get you or else the Cenobites don't get you. So then oh. that, that gives you ways to avoid it. Like if you're, if you're particularly cunning or careful or prepared, you can defeat the curse. Just by not getting an L pricky prick? You don't get the prick. And then maybe the prick comes out and instead of you getting cut, you stab one of the Cenobites with it. You know, and then they have to get the other Cenobites. Exactly. And, you know, that's real Buffy sort of stuff. It is, yeah. It's, you know, it's a loophole real, in the ancient modern, curse. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's real modern horror. There's a loophole, and through our American ingenuity, we'll find that loophole. Yeah, nice. And we'll, and we'll beat the forces of hell. Nice. So it, it, it doesn't have the hopelessness of, of what I think it should have had. Uh, well, maybe they'll bring the hopelessness back one day, Michael. Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of uh, Irish people's boss, I've seen The Midnight Club. I've only seen one episode. Bloody Ruth Cobb. She's doing a great job, Benjamin. Was she good, was she? She's very good in it, Benjamin. It's it's very... Uh, 
She plays an Irish character, which is fantastic. Well, that's what we like to see, Michael. She gives out about the junior cert, which is fantastic. That's a lot of shite, Michael. Junior cert, down with that <laughs> exactly. kind of thing. See? Um, She's a woman of the people, Michael. Exactly, Benjamin. The, my one issue with it is it was obviously written by Americans. So yes. every now and then, it's set in the 90s, and every now and then Ruth Cobb as a teenager in the 90s. And Benjamin, I was a teenager in the 90s. You were. And she's she's You're saying a sexy things, 40-year-old these days. I was, I was a sexy 40-year-old teenager in the 90s, Benjamin. <laughs> I had a... I was wearing ironed trousers and um, a tucked-in shirt. You had the sharpest pleat in the land. Incredible scenes. Benjamin... You cut glass on it, yeah. <laughs> so occasionally she says things that are very modern American and it takes me out of it a little bit because yeah. I know what teenagers talked like in the 90s. What but what with being one of them? Yes, what, what that you were part of but, their ilk. Benjamin, the reason we're bringing up the Midnight Club is Mike Flanagan, your favourite and mine, Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Um, he was somewhat criticised in his last show, The Midnight Club. Not The Midnight Club. Um, the bloody... The vampires are in the church. Midnight Gospel. Is or that what it was midnight called? Go- no, midnight what was mass. it called? Midnight Mass, I was midnight close. Midnight Mass. He was a little bit criticised that it wasn't scary enough. Ah, feck off. Leave Mike and, Flanagan alone. And it was a bit of a slow burn, Benjamin. And what Mike Flanagan seems to have gleaned from that criticism is studios think scary means ah boogie woogie yeah it's okay and so Benjamin he has included in the first episode of the Midnight Club one of the best scenes in modern horror television of all time go on Benjamin there's a young man and he sees a ghost a Japan, a classic Japanese schoolgirl ghost yes you don't want that it's very scary and in the space of about Three minutes. There are 27 jump scares, Ben. And this is just Mike Flanagan's big middle finger <laughs> to the Mike audience. Mike very, to, not necessarily to the audience, although several of the jump scares are directly at camera, which is just hilarious. But um, it's his big middle finger to people who don't get horror, basically. Yeah. He, he, so they've actually broken the world record, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most jump scares in a single episode of television. Yeah. 20, did you say 27? I, I don't know if it was 27 or 21. I stopped counting, Ben. I was too scared. It was too scared by all the jumps. My heart gave out. Yeah. They had a black cat jump scare, Ben. It's a classic. And they did it at the wrong time. They did it after the normal jump scare. <laughs> Good. Good. And then they have the same Japanese schoolgirl ghost appearing 27 different times going, Ah! <laughs> and nice. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Michael, it's interesting what tropes should and shouldn't be in uh, horror movies these days, isn't it? Oh, go on. Well, Michael, you and I have designed a little game. Oh, what is it? And that little game is, is it gauche or is it gore? Is it gauche or is it gore? Yeah, and if it's gore, that's all well and good. If it's gauche, get on out of here. That's a lot of G alliteration there, ladies and gentlemen. I would like a round of applause if you're sitting at home and you enjoyed that little bout of alliteration. Give me a little round of applause there. He would like a ground of a gloss. A ground of a gloss. Michael, horror movies are changing all the time. Um, People like Mike Flanagan are making very sinister slow burners, as it turns out, Michael, Mm. Um, which is probably a little bit behind on what we've had. We're even having reimaginings of classics like Hellraiser, Michael. Yeah, yeah, and Mithrigan. Mithrigan. But even then, Michael, we're having resurgences of classic 1950s horror things like Werewolf by Night. So what is it exactly that's changing? Is it the 1980s model of horror? Is it the 1970s slasher model of horror? What's what's going on, Michael? So we said we'd take a look at a few different tropes that are so hot right now and a few different tropes that are so not right now. Benjamin, right now. <laughs> one trope that's not hot right now is the trope of 
people enjoying the films of Michael Myers. Because Halloween Ends has been absolutely annihilated in reviews, and I don't think anyone has seen it. Has it? Yeah. Why is that, do you think? Uh, because it's outdated, it's welcome. Ah, uh, Michael, a classic. It's not scary anymore. The, the 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 trope of Halloween, Ben, is that Michael Myers is coming to get you. He's very gradually coming to get you. Slowly, slowly. Slowly, slowly coming to get you. And the last film started off well and seemed like it was going to be a kind of reimagining of the terror of an unstoppable nightmare coming to get you. But then it very quickly devolved into... We're going to need people to do stupid things so that Michael Myers can get them. I think that was one of the major criticisms for the last film, wasn't That's it? What the, I'm describing that. I'm talking about the last yeah. film. I haven't seen the new one. Okay. It's completely uh, contrived in that sense. Like, Yeah. It's like, okay, we've got this whole situation under control. Let's the three of us, me, you, old guy, and you, teenage girl, we'll go off and we'll confront him one to one. Then they hit him with a truck and they go, we've done it, gang. We've killed him. Let's go very close and have a look. And then they go, it seems like he's dead. I'll just hold my ear directly. Oh, he's killed me. Oh, oh, he's killed me. Oh, he's killed me. I'm oh, stone dear. dead now. It is, we couldn't possibly have avoided this. <laughs> Even though everyone's going, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. The, the whole town gangs up on him, Ben, and beats, him to shit, beats the shit out of him with baseball bats and crowbars and stuff. And then... I can't even remember what happens other than it infuriated me. One person does something stupid, like attacks him under on his own then, and he gets that crowbar, and then he starts killing everyone. I don't know. Ah, just doesn't work anymore, Ben. We've no time for it. Yeah, so the big, sinister, creepy, unstoppable murder machine, you know, the, the definition, I, I, arguably the icon of the slasher genre, Mike Myers... Because he's the first, I suppose. He's the first big mainstream slasher, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's argument about Mike Myers and Jason from Friday the 13th. Yeah, but even even Jason came after, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Considering. And I think that's the the interesting thing. It's just not scary anymore. Mm. Um, It's like, oh, he's going to get you. And then we we have a fair amount of certainty that he's going to get you. Yeah, because you're going to have to do something dumb for him to get you. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's. You're, you're right, Michael. It's overstated. It's welcome. It's gauche. It's gauche. Mm. It's a gauche. Okay. It's going in the gauche bin. It's going in the gauche bin. Um, one of my favorite things when I was a kid, Michael, uh, when I was watching a horror movie, or when I when I mistakenly put one on because I didn't seek them out when I was a child because I was a little scaredy cat, Michael. Little scaredy cat, yeah. And uh, one of my favorite things was they always used to, you know, whenever they were dealing with a malevolent spirit or an entity or something like that, they'd have to go to the library, Michael. Oh, what's going to go on to, in the they'd library? Have to, they'd have to get themselves down to the local library and, and get an old book. And my favourite thing, Michael, was, and my favourite contrivance of a lot of horror films was, um, they used to have like an ancient Aramaic textbook from the 6th century just sitting in a middle <laughs> middle west kind of Wisconsin library at the yeah, back yeah. of the room. In between Dr. Zeus and the first edition <laughs> copies of The Lord of the Rings. And I used to love it because for some reason libraries locked those books up so you used to have other contrived scenes where the character would be like, I've got to sneak into the restricted section of the library. And you're like, what? Oh what yeah, the, the restricted section. You, what the fuck are you talking about? And the first one I remember kind of messing with that formula was The Ring. Because oh, yeah. the ring wasn't opening the Necronomicon. The ring wasn't touching a cursed object. The ring was watching the wrong video. Mm. Um, 
And I always remember that. And it was the first time I saw... They had to do their research by like calling people up and trying to trace it through word of mouth because obviously nobody's writing about the weird video. That's that's yeah, not yeah. happening. Um, Although there is yeah. a good microfiche scene in that, isn't there? There is, yeah, where she starts to come out of the microfiche. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, there was always an interesting thing there. But I think it's one of the tropes that if I see it in a modern horror movie, I'm like, no, bullshit. Bullshit. Um, number one, because libraries in the United States are criminally underfunded and being shut down at a rate of knots. <laughs> um, right, okay. Number two, because the only library I had experience of a child was uh, the mobile library that used to stop up the top of my green there. Um, <laughs> and I always loved the idea of going into the mobile library and being like, come here to me, do you have anything on um, Balathamu, the, yeah. the eighth spirit of hell? And do they'd be like, oh, I do, actually. <laughs> I do. Hold on. It's here in the restricted section. I'm of the mobile to, library. Of the mobile library. I'm going to need to perform the chant while I open these. No, that's the glove box. Sorry. That's just the driver's <laughs> manual. Where was the restricted section? <laughs> uh, that's a very niche joke for Irish listeners only, I'm afraid. I think other countries have mobile libraries. Uh, not like ours, though. <laughs> not oh, like classic. Ours. All sorts uh, of restricted stuff in them. But you know, I think... <laughs> Again, like a lot of a lot of it comes down to what you said earlier. Accidentally, you either die the villain or see yourself live long enough to become the hero. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of these tropes got worn out by the eighties and nineties supernatural TV shows. Yes, in particular, Buffy. Buffy, um, in the long term, Buffy did a lot of damage to horror. Buffy Buffy Summers has done more damage to vampires than she ever did in the show in terms of legacy. <laughs> yeah, well, but also like any so Buffy Buffy was that very much that teenage power fantasy of all of these scary horror film monsters. I bet you I could kick the shit out of them. <laughs> Well, I think that's one of the interesting things that you see about the Scooby gang, right? So right, go on. in the first season of Buffy, it's very clear that the only person that should tangle with a vampire is Buffy. Yeah, She's yeah. the only one who's strong enough to do the job. That's the reason the Slayer is enhanced. That's the reason the Slayer is tougher than than most is because she's enhanced strength, enhanced your ability. Because if you go up against a vampire as a normal human, you're fucked. You're dead. Dead as a doornail. And over time... That disappears and it devolves to a point where we see the Scooby gang, like you see Xander Harris punching vampires in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the first season, anytime he tries to do that, he comes away with the classic like, oh my God, my fists. And he's shaking his fists and he's like, oh, this is terrible. Funnily enough, I think Xander Harris is the least egregious one because um, what's his name? Nicholas... Nicholas Brennan. No, no Nicholas good. Brennan. Turns out no good, Michael. Turns out might be a bit of a weirdo. But he actually grew up to be an enormous man. Yes, he ended up being very big. <laughs> He's massive. I think they had to ask him to stop going to the gym. But you also have characters like Anya and Tara and stuff like that grappling vampires and coming away fine. Yeah, and it, it, it really did just defang them, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean... That wasn't necessarily Buffy's fault either, because that had also started with Anne Rice. Oh, bloody. They've rebooted Interview with a Vampire, Michael. Have you seen any of it? Yeah, it's now called Skype Interview with a Vampire. Uh, it's very homoerotic. I oh, mean, is the, it? Origi- the original was too, but, you know, they're leaning in on the gay. Are they? Oh, the yeah. gays love that. Yeah. Benjamin. <laughs> what was the saying? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Defanging like, vampires. Yeah, yeah. But the Anne Rice films were still. V- they were romantic vampires but they it's they still were horror films yeah um but these days sure how could you be scared of a vampire or a werewolf ben 
I think I think you can still occasionally be terrified of a of a werewolf. I remember seeing dog soldiers when I was younger, and I was like, "Oh fuck no!" Being mm. torn apart by a big werewolfy boy. There, there's I I think nobody's afraid of the the soft boy vampires, the Twilight vampires, the bloody American vampires, the bloody you know the Vampire ones that high. Vampire High uh, are the you know the werewolves that are still human, but the the big scary animal beast ones are still quite scary. I don't know, are they? Are they though? Because mm. I mean, you have Werewolf High, you've got Werewolf University. You've got Sir you've, Michelle Geller is going to be in Werewolf Reunion or whatever it's called. Yeah, you've got Werewolf H-Dip. And yeah. <laughs> you've got Werewolf, werewolf Postgraduate mature, stu- mature Student. <laughs> yeah. You know, the werewolf, classics. Uh, werewolf Retirement Home. It's just, how could you possibly be scared of a werewolf in this day and age? <laughs> werewolf Residency Hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No. Um, <laughs> oh, Sir Michelle good, Geller is going to be in a new werewolf thing isn't she it's not new yeah she's going to be in like a reboot of one of the werewolf highs or something i'm not sure uh, it doesn't matter it's gauche get rid of it okay put it in the bin um, except werewolf by night that was great one of the ones that i really enjoyed and one of the tropes that's changed massively is demonizing the elderly <laughs> oh yeah now there now now we're talking scary stuff so this people. is this is an interesting one right so old people are terrifying terrifying for reasons that we don't often talk about. And we're going to have a few people that get very annoyed at us here. But old people are the representation of what happens to everybody. The inevitability of age. Okay. Um, and therefore, on a on a very philosophical level, not great. Unnerving. Okay. Yeah, alarming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What are you just... Now, define old people. Me and Laura Donnelly wouldn't fall into that category. Anyone over the age of 38, I think, is probably uh, you fair game for... <laughs> No, we're talking uh, we're talking eighty and up here, Michael. Okay, all right. I'm okay. talking eighty and up. Terrifying um, old. So what what I what I would define it as? So back in the day, Michael, old people used to be the the scary, creepy people, and witches in particular were infamous for demonizing the elderly. It was an old crone. It was mm. you know uh, uh, just if you saw an old crone in the woods, there was a gingerbread house. Stay the fuck away from it. Don't go near that. Yeah, if you saw if you saw um, what's her name. Singing lady, Barbara Streisand. No, Barbara Streisand. Bette Midler. If you saw Bette Midler, run away. If yeah, you just saw Sarah Jessica Parker, probably fine. Back in the day, but not now. Yeah, if you see Jared, Sarah Jessica Parker today, be careful, or her husband might run you over. Um, <laughs> it's a whole thing, you know. <laughs> it's a whole thing. So. One of the ways that that's kind of been weaponized now, Michael, is we see in a lot of horror movies these days. <laughs> I got him, ladies and gentlemen. I got oh, him. Oh, that's fucking. That was good. That's a good. Uh, <laughs> he did do that. He did do. That. It's uncontested. Like, that's not, not even slander. We're not getting done for this, Michael. I was going to say we get can't. That's the thing that'll get us cancelled because it's a classic no, no, line, but, but he it did. won't. It's he did. done. Yeah, it's it's, it's well known. Um, but anyway, come here to me. Yeah, what is it? One of the things that we saw is where we we had supernatural older people that were possessed by things and then we get to see them move in very unnatural ways and, you know, very sinister kind of things, you know. Yeah, they'd be doing a flip or something like that. I always remember um, uh, Legion. Do you remember that weird Paul Bethany movie where the world oh, is yeah, ending yeah. in a diner? So and there's an upside-down old lady. There's an upside-down old lady. Very creepy, very unnerving. But it's, it's demonizing. But now, Michael, there's a new wave of... Um, kind of things. Have you seen X by Ty West? 
No. So X is a very interesting movie. Uh, X is a, a kind of a an homage to the slasher genre. And what happens is um, it's set in the 70s. Oh, go on. And it's about a crew making a porno. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, and the crew is a very multi-generational, uh, multi-ethnicity group. Um, Kid Cudi's in it. I don't know who um, that is. Kid Cudi is a very famous rapper. Um, Kid Cudi's in it. Anna Ortega, the new Scream Queen, is in it. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, it's Wednesday Adams. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and then Mia Goth, who is a kind of a rising horror superstar from the UK, is in it as well. Um, and these guys are off to make their porno, and they believe that this porno is going to make them famous, because in the 1970s, there's a big old porno boom in the United States. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everybody's making their money off that. So what happens is... They rent out a small little cabin uh, from a farmer, and you oh, see yeah. where this is going, Michael. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna film their porno. Um, and the the two antagonists of this, Michael, are the old couple that own the farm. Um, oh. So initially, we meet them, and they're horrifically done to look very old and unnerving. And uh, it's I can't remember the man's name, but the woman's name is Pearl. Uh, and she's Classic an old, old frail lady. Now, one of the interesting things here, Michael, is that Mia Goth plays both one of the young porn actresses and Pearl. So she's in a dual role. Oh. And over the course of the movie, Pearl becomes obsessed with uh, the young porn starlet because she represents youth and everything she's lost. Oh. Um, and one of the very interesting things about the film is that all the protagonists are lovely. Um, oh, very interesting. So it, it represents a death of two different tropes. In traditional horror movies, Michael, whenever anybody was promiscuous or considered to be unmoral by the standards of the time, they die. That's that's what they got. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like if you were doing is. your drugs, if you were having your underage sex, if you, you know, all this kind of thing, you know, it was terrible. But these ones are arguably one of the most demonized groups. It's a bunch of porn stars, but they're lovely people. Um, and the horror of this comes from the fact that initially they are treating the old people like old people and they're trying to be nice to them and friendly to them and they're trying to help them. And these old people hate them uh, for that mollycoddling. And it, it very quickly becomes a very sinister film of old people hunting young people. It's a fascinating movie. Um, there, and- are, there are a few like that. There are. Um, there was the M. Night Shyamalan one a few years ago. Oh no, we've gone on holiday with the wrong parents. It's, it's The Visit. The Visit. And that was my next one. The Visit is awful. The Visit is about uh, two children who've never met their estranged grandparents. Mm. uh, And then they go and visit them. And these people are quite literally insane. They've been killed and replaced. Their original grandparents were murdered and replaced by two escaped psychopaths, which has done nothing for the mental health industry. But, you know... (laughs) And of course, Benjo was just don't breathe as well a few years ago. Yeah, so it, it it's very much it's very much based on the notion that old people are easy pickings. Oh wait, fuck, they're not. Um, oh no, gross. Oh no, gross. Us. Oh no, gross. Um, We're gonna have to live in his basement. But one of the more interesting things, Michael, is a lot of the a lot of the horror springs from um, bodily failings. The visit has very strange scenes where the old woman soils herself and, mm. you know, does stuff like, and X is very similar. There's some very interesting kind of stuff out of it. So demonizing the elderly, I think it might be a little bit gauche because we probably shouldn't demonize the elderly, but it's also very humanizing the elderly because we tend to treat them with kid gloves. I don't know. Mm. Mm. We always, and we always have to find new avenues for horror, Ben. Yeah. Because, you know, as things become gauche, we go, okay, what else is scary? Robot children is what's scary now. Yeah, 
And then you get weird little AI girls doing TikTok dances, and yeah, that's yeah, just no good. But Michael, come here to me. Yes, what is it? What is it? What I want to know from the listeners is, what do you think is bloody gauche and gore? Yeah, uh, yeah. You can get in touch with us a few different places. Let us know. We're on the interwebs at www.shomrabug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. You can find us on Instagram at Your Luxury Podcast. Always updated with the latest in pop culture news and rumours. Fuck you. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Listenshire. Yeah, you can. That's true. You can. That's absolutely true. But ladies and gentlemen, yes, <laughs> all of that pales in comparison to the jump scare that awaits you up on our Discord, baby. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, go on, get up on that and have live in-charge chats with us. It'd be great. Hop up on it. It's been a bit quiet the last couple of weeks, Benjamin, because I took a, a slight little bereavement break. And as we all know, when Mick ain't around, there ain't no party in town. That's exactly, the, that's what we always say. That's what well we as, always um, say. You can give a man a fish and he'll You can go give a man boat. a boat for half an hour and he'll fish for a day. But if you give an AI a boat for two minutes, it'll kill everybody. That old ditty. Goodbye. <laughs>